Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. With me today is someone that I had the distinct pleasure of supporting with her TEDx talk. And uh, she's somebody who just deeply inspires me. You know that I am in love with outer space. I'm a big science fiction fan. I love NASA. Um, you know, I've, I, so that whole world just excites me. And Nancy is someone who prepares people for space travel who are not NASA astronauts, who are not ESA astronauts. She's working with people that are going to be going up on the private missions. And her story is one that deeply inspires me, that I think you will get something really powerful from. And I think you're going to enjoy meeting Nancy Vermeulen. So Nancy, welcome to the show. Hello, John. So, Nancy, you're in Belgium, and if people want to find you, they can go to www.nancyvermulen.be, and I'm going to spell that, N-A-N-C-Y-V-E-R-M-E-U-L-E-N.be, which is a pretty cool ending suffix. It's Belgium, but it says B, so nancyvermulen.be. And uh, so, Nancy, welcome to the show. I I, uh, would love it if you would tell everybody a little bit about what you do, and then I'd love to get into the story of how you ended up doing that and that, you know, that dark moment that preceded it. So, so how, tell us what you do. Hello, John. So, yes, I um, train private astronauts. So let's say that we bridge between companies like uh, Virgin Galactic, SpaceX, or Blue Origin, and people who are asking themselves, yeah, can I physically and mentally handle the fast accelerations? I want to know everything about space. So we do uh, a crash course in space and astronomy, but really tailor-made. Then we go to a very special uh, simulator in the Netherlands, and there we simulate a launch to the moon. We dock with the International Space Station. We do a landing with the Space Shuttle, a complete commercial uh, flight. And during these high-end simulations, you will experience the uh, G-levels, the transition between high G and um, yeah, almost uh, zero G, let's say. Yep. And yeah, we can really coach people through this whole uh, process. Wow. And it's that's... also the, one of the closest experiences you can get of real space. So if you're if you're excited about going to space, even if you never end up going there, you could get the next best thing by coming and doing this simulation with you, Nancy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and then and... yeah, if you're doing well doing a simulation, we go go to real aircraft and we do a zero G flight. And just so um, cool. if you don't know what zero G flight is, it's yeah, we, we take a small business jet and we uh, play a little bit with our gravity. So first of all, we fly uphill and we mount and then you experience two to three times your weight here on Earth. You are very heavy. And on the top of the mountain, the pilot pushes the aircraft down and you start floating like a real astronaut. And this maneuver we, we repeat um, 10 times. And during each parabola, let's say you are about 12 to 14 seconds weightless. Wow. 
That's really, really cool. That sounds, I mean, I would love to do that. I got to say, sooner or later, I'm going to come with you, Nancy, on one of these. Um, so Are you experience weightlessness, let's say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. Oh my gosh, I want to do the whole thing. You know, it's like astronaut camp with Nancy Vermeulen, right? So yes. you have a cool job, but it was painful finding this, wasn't it? Tell, will you tell us that story? Well, let's say I was, uh, I've always been passionated by space and astronomy, and it took a long road to find my place here on Earth at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was uh, five to six years old, I looked up at the sky. I was really drawn in the beauty of the night sky, and I imagined that when I was, I would be a grown up, that flying to space would be as normal as taking an airplane. Huh? Yeah. And in my imagination, I took a spaceship, um, I flew around some planets, um, I enjoyed them, I took a picnic at the other side of the Earth, and the same evening, I just came back home. That was uh, what I expected to be normal. Um, I grew up in the 80s when the space shuttles went up, and I think I thought, yeah, when I'm a grown-up, they will start looking for uh, astronauts, just like they are looking for pilots, huh? Yeah. But yeah, a couple of, of uh, years later, 30 years later, I started, started realizing that that acceleration was not that fast. Huh? Becoming an astronaut was still for pioneers, so uh, not a common uh, job. Um, I started to study astrophysics from when I was 17. I met our first uh, Belgian astronaut, uh, Dirk Freemout, and I asked him, yeah, what did I what do I need to do to become an astronaut? You know, we're living in Belgium and not in the United States. It's not so obvious uh, how to become um, an astronaut or, or to find a way to, uh, to do uh, space studies. It was not existing by that time. Um, and Freemout, he told me, yeah, listen up, if you study uh, physics or something in science and later you um, gain some operational experience, you will be good, huh? Physics was my passion already, so it was obvious I would study astrophysics. And then becoming an airline pilot was the next uh, obvious uh, step. So I did that. Um, but yeah, I was not really supported at that time. I was a girl in a quite conservative environment. And let's say in my environment, becoming a good um, wife, finding a successful husband... <laughs> would be yeah. a way to yeah, uh -huh. a, a very happy and successful life. So um, you could do studies, of course, but it was not done as a girl to have a, a big career. So yeah. it was some hassle to uh, find my way through. So doing astrophysics was fine. And I think my environment was thinking, yeah, she will probably find a successful man and then it's over. But it was not over eh? when I got my degree in astrophysics, I really wanted to become a pilot, which was a challenge because becoming a pilot um, in the, at the airlines, it costs an enormous amount of money. But in Europe, let's say, if you do uh, university studies, the government pays for almost everything. Huh? You yeah. uh, don't have to pay your teachers. You don't have to pay for the buildings. But to become an airline pilot, you have to pay for everything. Yeah. So um, right now, becoming an airline pilot here costs uh, 100,000 euros. Huh? So become, yeah, having that mo um, to find the money, I had to do a lot of uh, work. 
at the end, um, my uh, parents just, um, um, how do you say that? Um, took a loan on their house, um, oh, a yeah. mortgage. They took yeah. a mortgage on their house uh-huh. in order to... Um, to convince the bank to give me that uh, amount of money to become an airline pilot. Then, of course, we had 9-11, and oh. um, I was not going to have a job very quickly. I had to wait about almost a year before our national uh, flag carrier, Sabina, would hire me. And yeah, waiting a year was no option for me because, of course, you need to pay back that amount of money, and you yeah. keep you need to keep your flight licenses valid uh, too. Yeah. Okay, luckily, I found a job at DHL as a cargo pilot. Yeah. Uh, flying cargo is, is just fine, but uh, the environment was looking, some people were looking down at it huh? because yeah. it's not so prestigious as flying passengers in their opinion. Yeah. To me, it was fine. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Um, I started flying cargo in Europe, later in Africa and the Middle East. But of course, it was flying a lot at night very irregular hours and Um, that was not so fine for my body yeah yeah that's a tough one for me it was very tough especially because after a couple of years i started questioning my choice like yeah i became an airline pilot but i'm not flying a lot as a cargo pilot you don't fly that amount of uh, hours as a regular uh, passenger airline pilot to do yeah so I was questioning my choice. Wouldn't it uh, have been better to just um, have done yeah, a PhD and uh, to have continued in the academic world? So I decided to start a PhD as well, mm-hmm. besides my job as a, as a pilot. And then, of course, I started doing a lot of uh, side jobs, um, teaching physics and mathematics, because I wanted to pay back the loan as soon as uh, possible. On top of that, I decided to augment my chances to become an astronaut if the opportunity one day would uh, arise. So in my free time, I did uh, diving, mountaineering, a lot of things to increase my possible chances. Yeah. And guess what? I just forced my body and my mind. Yeah. And that's, I had to pay back a couple of years later. Yeah. After a couple of years, my body started to give me warning signs. I became sick very easily, started to have stomach problems. But again, I wasn't raised um, to yeah to uh, observe these signs, yeah. let alone um, give attention to them. Yeah. On top of that, I was thinking, yeah, finally, I'm here. My environment has not been very supportive in the past. If I show a sign of weakness... I cannot do that because then yeah. the environment will say, you see, uh, it's all yeah. your own fault. Uh, why yeah. did you have this uh, high ambition? So I continued, continued, continued until at a certain moment um, I had to stop. And yeah. I ended up in a complete uh, burnout physically and mentally. And I ended up um, in a serious uh yeah, I know. I know what that's like. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, I, I, <laughs> I did the same thing. Really? <laughs> yeah. I almost died of an autoimmune disease, you know, after I yeah. lost my big, uh, you know, my big company, Big Words. I was one of four co-founders and raised over $80 million and then went out of business. And I was so ashamed and so upset and so angry and wow. so hurt and scared. I almost died of an autoimmune disease. And a big part of that was that I was sleeping four hours a night, five hours a night, you know? And I think that we don't get trained 
to look for those or to pay attention. In fact, what we get trained to do is shove that down. Think of that as weakness and just bowl over it. Right. Well, I almost died because I did that. It's not a good idea. (laughs) You know, there's a way, there's a much better way. Right. I know. So yeah, me too. I lost my medical license. So um, I could give up my dream of becoming an astronaut. So um, Yeah. yeah. But you applied to be an astronaut, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Actually, I did. So, yeah. No, um, then, of course, the environment starts talking to you. You listen yeah. up. Just forget your dreams. Become yeah. normal, do a normal yeah. job, um, yeah. and so on. But, of course, after you recover, because you will recover, if you have a burnout and a depression, you will yeah. get out of it one yeah. day. So, And once you are healthy again, you start thinking, yeah, what now? What do I want, really want to do in my life? Okay, I have a passion, but maybe the way I was pursuing that passion is not the right way. Yeah. Maybe there are other ways, and there are a lot of yeah. other ways. But first of all, I wanted to see how far I would uh, make it in astronaut selection. So I applied to become an astronaut in 2008. For that, I needed to do my medical license back. Uh-huh. I need to do a lot for that to find a doctor to give yeah. me the final clearance, but yeah. I succeeded. Yeah. I started to become um, a flight instructor, working on regular hours, um, teaching, combining it um, with some consulting, just fine. And uh, out of 10,000 candidates for the ESA astronaut selection in 2008, I made it approximately to the last uh, 400. Which is Which pretty spectacular. Not so bad, but not so good. But I was like, okay, you know. Yeah. At, I'll, I tried and um, I learned a lot about uh, myself. I met some nice people and just by doing things, you progress. Even if you know at the end, you will not make it to the finals because you have this uh, medical history. At least you try and by keep trying new ways open up because um, in 2010, I got the opportunity to do a Mars simulation uh, mission. Huh? Yeah, so, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I applied to become an astronaut, new people showed up on my way, on my roads, and I saw new opportunities. And in uh, 2010, I was a commander of a Mars simulation mission in Utah. And the idea was to do this simulation not only with, uh, with um, scientific or people or engineers, but also people with an artistic uh, background, um, teacher. So let's say the youngest uh, participant was 17 years old and the oldest was already uh, in her 50s. Mm. It was a very nice um, experiment. Yeah. Because one day if we want to settle on the moon or Mars, there will not only be engineers of a certain age group, there will be everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you told me a story about that. Um, you had a really, really big moment at that mission, didn't you? What was that moment? Will you tell us that? Yeah. Um, you were there in the middle of nowhere, which yeah, for somebody living in Belgium is quite extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, the night sky was overwhelming and... I imagined myself, I was standing there in that uh, space fan, that's a uh, simulated space shoot. Um, I looked up at the night sky again. I saw myself back being a young girl. And I imagined, yeah, 
one day, if we are really standing on the planet Mars, we see the same, almost the same um, uh, night sky. But then that tiny speck, which is Mars right now, that we cannot see. That tiny blue speck that, that we can see from Mars is the Earth. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Imagine <laughs> that you look up at the night sky and one of these tiny, tiny little spots is just planet Earth. Earth. It's yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. It things into perspective. And yeah, it was just great, John. Yeah. That's an amazing moment. That, that had a big impact on y- your outlook after that, didn't it? Oh, let's say that uh, since I was a young girl, I used to put things into perspective, but that aha moment was a special one indeed. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. And then how did you make the switch? Because, you know, I mean, on one hand, you had just spent your entire life preparing to be an astronaut. And then you applied, you made it very, very far and you didn't get accepted as an ESA astronaut. Yeah. Okay. Now what do you do? Like everything that you aimed your whole entire life at didn't work out the way you wanted it to. How did you, cause I mean, I got to imagine that there was at least a moment where you got sad about that. And then there was that moment where you had some kind of a breakthrough, right? So will you tell us about, about what that was like? I, it goes in, in, in steps. Huh? So first of all, um, I crashed yeah, a couple of years before the ESA astronaut selections and I made it not into the, to the finals, <laughs> to be um, uh, clear. So, yeah, you have already a um, realistic um, ex- um, image. Huh? Um, but then, of course, you're still hoping to, yeah, to, to get through it. But then I realized that um, living like an astronaut, having the mindset of an astronaut being a pioneer is more important than really uh, be a professional astronaut. Astronauts, they have a kind of uh, exploration mindset. They put things into perspective. And it's not because I'm not an astronaut that I cannot think like an astronaut and be a pioneer. Um, my grandfather, when he was still alive, uh, he asked me, yeah, Nancy, why are we not standing on Mars? When I was yeah, still working, you know, we were standing on the moon. And I was thinking, oh, my God, yeah, what are we doing right now? We are just um, flying at the International Space Station at an altitude of 400 kilometers. The moon is 1,000 times further. And at the end of the 60s, the beginning of the 70s, people were walking over there. And right now, 50 years later, almost, yep. where, where, where are we? And I felt ashamed for my whole gen- whole generation almost. <laughs> yeah. And my grandfather star also um, give me the idea like, yeah, listen up. You you youngsters, you think like spoiled, spoiled uh, children. Um, don't take things for granted. If things are not existing, yeah, just make it happen. Yeah. So in 2008, when I was not selected, I was thinking back at him a lot of times. I was like, oh my God, this generation just had World War II, they had to rebuild everything from scratch. Look at me right now, a spoiled child complaining that she didn't become an astronaut. So, <laughs> so <John> that. <laughs> yeah. 
just um, if things are not there yet, I was like, just come on, um, pave the way, start working on it. Yeah. And yeah. that's how I started taking initiatives. Um, I was like, okay, um, becoming be an astronaut is the chance is very low, but um, opening up space for more people so that maybe more people will go to space is maybe my task in my in life. Yeah. So I organized a zero gravity flight for the Belgian radio and television. I organized a Mars conference at the University of Antwerp, where I got a lot of um, good uh, connections. Like I told you already, I did an, a Mars simulation mission. So there's so many things you can do to um, start uh, paving the way. The, the, yeah. the way. And that's how I came in contact in 2011 with Sir Richard Branson too. Yeah. Um, I was invited as a specialist to be on the main table during a lunch with Sir Richard Branson himself. Yeah. And this was really amazing. Yeah. Uh, about 100 CEOs, typical men, of course, here, huh? yeah. were paying 1,000 euros to be at a lunch with Sir Richard Branson. And I was just invited as a specialist to be on the main table with him. So during which, the reception, which must have before, been a little bit scary, right? Like, were you nervous about that? A little bit. <laughs> but it was such an opportunity, too. right? Yeah. Before the lunch, we had a reception. And, you know, all these men, they were not really paying attention for who I really was, what I did in my life. Some of them were looking, okay, she might be nice. Others were like, okay, she's just average, you know. Um but then they sell me on the main table with Richard Branson. I'll talk later about this. Yeah, yeah. After the dinner, we had an, an, um, a coffee table. And then they start swarming around me. Yeah, they did, still didn't know who I was or what I did. Um, but then, yeah, the um, glass ceiling didn't exist anymore. I was yeah. also a VIP or a god or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's all and so crazy john that's was um an experience and at the end somebody like him is just human too he was yeah. very nice to talk um very low profile uh, yeah. very accessible um yeah. I, I hung out with him on necker island a couple of years ago and got to hear him talk and got to actually hang out with him a little bit one-on-one -on -one. and i was tremendously impressed uh, you know because he's got a much bigger than life persona and he lives up to that and he's also a very down-to-earth guy and just a kind good human being from my experience i was really really very happily surprised you know yeah me too and he explained to me that as a as a young boy, he wanted to walk on the moon, but he realized that he didn't have the right profile, the right stuff like they were uh, talking about in that yeah. those times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end, um, he continued pursuing uh, his dream and having had a, a, a huge. If you build up such an empire and you still try to change the world and um, to pursue your dream. That's great. Yeah. You know, you know, John, he was not waiting for anybody to give him permission to do something. Huh? Yes. He just 
those things. And I was like, why would I be so afraid um, for selections or people people who can give me opportunities or not? I just have to do things. Yeah. That was the um, biggest lesson that I got there. Yeah, yeah. That's a great lesson. And that's what you went and did. Yes, that was when I decided to start the Space Training Academy. Yeah. So awesome. S- that's so awesome. So so Richard Branson's one person who had an impact on your life and your 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 outlook on leadership and everything. What else, you know, what else do you think from all of your experiences and from that space angle and the astronaut angle and the pioneer angle, you know, what else do you what are some other good leadership lessons that you've learned along the way? Who's made a difference or is there a saying or a, a book or a whatever that has really impacted you? Oh, um, it's continuous um, evolution, evolution better. It's yeah. continuous evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's say that by being an alien as a, as a child, I was little bit uh, on my own, my special interest of space, of course. Yeah. Um, made me tough because I was used to get uh, comments, um, not to be accepted and so on. And yeah, I got used not to take this personal. That's a yeah. very important. Yeah. Thing. You know, it's I uh, Nancy. I played a very important role too. Huh? Who's that? Um, my parents. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, both of them, and then of course, when I was in um, a public observatory, I got mm-hmm. uh, good friends. So, let's say, John, that uh, during my life, at the right time, at the right moment, I met the right people, mm. and somehow you have this crossroads in your life where you think, like, what now? But then you meet people who just give you that sparkle of energy that that you need yeah and that's i think how we met too huh? uh, i think so yeah <laughs> yes it was magical yep so you know uh one of the things and i'd love to get your thoughts on this but one of the things that i kind of wish i could do is go back and talk to the little kid in each of us and tell them when they're at that stage hey you know what the thing that everybody's teasing you about right now and the thing that you know, they, they give you a hard time about and everything that's going to end up being one of your superpowers. So don't you let it get it down. Don't, don't let it, don't you let it get you down. Don't take it personally. And don't you let go of that spark because that is the thing, you know? So to everybody's inner child, to your inner child, when you're listening right now, I want you to go back, hug that little kid and tell them, Hey, you know, thanks for not letting the world beat you down. Thanks for being you, you know, Nancy, because it strikes me that as in some ways, because you didn't get what you thought you wanted, you got something in some ways even better, right? You are arguably even more of a pioneer than had you become an ESA astronaut and gotten that desire, you got pushed out to the fringe, the real explorer, the real pioneer edge, you know, without the safety net and without the ropes and, you know, free climbing this thing. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of us 
got teased about what ended up becoming our superpower, you know? I think you summarized it very well, John. Thanks for that. And it's true. As a child, you know very well what your passions are. And when we grow up, unfortunately, the environment uh, puts you down because they want the best. They think they want the best for you. They want to um, yeah, put, put you somewhere in the society. But that's not how it works uh, for yeah. a lot of people. At least not for me, and I think for you neither. Yeah. Um, when people try to put me um, on a place they want, I don't feel happy. On yeah. the contrary, when I go back to that inner child, and if I feel again the passion that I had by then, and I translate it to what I do now, that's when I feel I, I'm really alive. Yeah. That's what makes me happy. Yeah, that's so great. Well, so I noticed we're kind of coming up on, on our time here. I, I wonder, is there anything I didn't ask you about, or is there any, is there a story or a thought that you would just love to share to kind of wrap up this time together, Nancy? Be a captain of your own life. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Be the captain the of your own life. Your mm-hmm. And say, say that last thing again. And let the sky never be your <laughs> And let the sky never be your limit. Yeah. Keep going past the sky, right? Yeah. Okay. I love it. Nancy, it's just a joy to get to spend some time with you again. We got to spend that concentrated amount of time talking so often first for a while. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're well. It's great to see you. Thanks for joining us here. I think that you are a shining example of someone, I mean, what I know about you and what I've experienced of you is that you are somebody who goes for it. And I, I, I want to thank you for hanging on to that dream. Even through the process of losing that dream, you hung on to it and morphed it into something arguably even more exciting and better. And, you know, thank you for that. And, uh, and thanks for taking the time to be here with us today. And I, I wish you all the best. And, and if you want to check out Nancy's website, it's www.nancyvermulen, which is N-A-N-C-Y-V-E-R-M-U, I'm sorry, N-A-N-C-Y-V-E-R-M-E-U-L-E-N.B-E, B, B for Belgium. Um, so, and you know, uh, take good care of all those great breweries uh, over there and um, and have, uh, I, I wish you a really great weekend. We're recording this on a Friday and uh, I, I want you to- Great to be here on your show. Yeah. Uh, you're super welcome. And and I would love for you to keep us up to date on what you're doing. And, you know, if you yeah, got any exciting cool. events coming up, please let me know and I'll share it with, with our listeners and, uh, you know, try and make it myself if I can. So I will post it um, on social media too. So great. And people can find your social media at your website. Uh, Yes. If you just uh, type my name, you will find me. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for coming. And the sky is not the limit. Here's to being the captain of your own life and not letting the sky be the limit. Keep going past the sky. Thanks, Nancy. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome. Awesome.